you cannot write a book on true crime unless there is a particular verdict. Obviously, you can't write about innocent people who have allegedly done things because that ties the lawyers up in knots and you won't get a publisher to touch it. So over the course of eight very long weeks, there were a couple of us interested in writing a book and there were phone calls being made and there were there was all kinds of interest and, and eventually you start not talking to various people in case they're, they're do, thinking of doing the same thing you are. And it all came down to whether or not there was the correct verdict. Now, by the time the verdict came, I had approached a publisher and had said, listen, I've covered every day of this court, court case. Are you interested? And the publisher had said, well, yeah, depending on, depending on what the verdict is. So it wasn't just the accused who were really tense that day. Uh, as soon as the verdict comes in, and really it's... Well, actually, I mean, in both cases, the publisher said to me, this can only go ahead with an absolute guilty verdict. Um, in both cases, they didn't get an absolute guilty verdict. They got lesser guilty verdicts. Um, in the case of the Hitman case... It was conspiracy to murder, which actually most... By the time the jury had read out their verdicts, our Egyptian poker dealer was going, did I get convicted? <laughs> because we were all incredibly confused about what exactly had happened. Because basically, she was convicted of soliciting... Uh, three counts of soliciting someone to murder her partner and his two sons and also three counts of conspiring to murder her partner and his two sons. And then the Egyptian was not convicted of conspiring. So there was immediately a problem about whether or not you can actually conspire with yourself. Mm. Practically, what happens with, you know, when you're writing, when you're covering a trial, you're, you're in the middle of the story, it's standard journalism. You go in, you file your stories every day. Obviously, when there's a verdict, it, it all goes completely crazy because you have to do the summing up and the sort of the accounts of the trial. And then there's, there's possibly radio stations and TV stations who sort of for some reason haven't sent someone along. So it's, it's mad. But immediately afterwards, you have to actually work out what you're going to do with this book. Now, in both cases, in terms of the submission... I put forward a very simple submission because I was dealing with a very high-profile story. And if you're putting forward a proposal for any story that's been front-page news for a consistent period of time, the publisher's going to know what the story is. What they're going to be interested in is how you're going to tell the story. And that's where... That's where it gets a little bit more difficult because up to that point you will have been writing, even in a really, even in a case that there's a lot of interest, you will have been writing a maximum of 2,000 words. Suddenly you have to work out how to fill 60,000 or 80,000 if they want to get a slightly bigger book. So 
you start to know an awful lot about sort of ridiculously large word counts <coughs> and how that translates to pages because that is going to be your entire life for the duration of writing. Now, a lot of people who, when I said I was working on a book with the first one, they said, oh, that's lovely. Are you, are you sort of renting a cottage somewhere and, <laughs> you know, working in, in this sort of Arcadia of, of that you have this romantic idea of what a writer is? No, you've got about six weeks and you have to do all your research, you have to write the bloody thing and you have to source your pictures and that means you've got to deal with all the photo agencies and, yeah, sourcing the pictures is, a, is an absolute nightmare. It is basically extended journalism. This form of writing is extended journalism. It is no different from the skills that you, will be, that you would have been doing sourcing a story. It's just there's an awful lot more of it. With, with court stories in particular, the stuff that bulks out the book, that, that sort of makes it something people want to read and is not just a rehash of the newspaper stories, is the extra stuff that wasn't discussed in front of the jury. It's all the legal argument. In this particular case, there was another case in the States that had happened. It was almost identical to the case down in Clare, but it had happened in Los Angeles about six weeks before he'd come to Ireland. Getting the details of that was most of most of my research. Um, also, I'm probably on several watch lists by now because I did an awful lot of research about ricin and um, it, it was relevant. You end up doing an awful lot more research, but the fact remains, you have a really, really, really tight deadline. Then there's all the complications. Writing a book like True Crime is not like writing something that maybe you've been investigating on your own for years and you have far too much for a standard newspaper. Or This is something that there will have been a press bench full of people covering exactly the same stuff that you have been covering. Chances are somebody else is also writing a book and they won't tell you if they're writing a book and it's, it becomes a race. You're always racing against whoever has this mythical person. Um, I mean, you don't know, even, even writing the second book, where I sort of, I knew that I was the only person writing it, because I'd made damn sure of that beforehand. It's still, there's, you can't rule it out, because you're doing it in such a, a tight space of time that, you know, you will always, you're always in competition with someone. It's, it, again, it's like standard news journalism somebody else is chasing exactly the same exclusive you are so this is one reason for the really really short turnaround time usually if you're if you're doing a book on a trial they will the publisher will want the book on the shelves within three months of the verdict and it will take about that's that's how you're left with six weeks to write it because it takes them about a month and a half to put it together and get it printed and everything else. They can do it quicker. It's tight. You, will, you, you, you are welded to your computer. For, you do not sleep. You do not eat. You just... Type. Yeah. Um, 
I tell you, once you've done something like that, no deadline is scary <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I mean, things that, bad things that happened. In the case of Devil, I knew that about halfway through, it was actually after I'd submitted my manuscript, we were getting ready to go to press. There was a phone call from the publisher and said, uh, you know your title? We can't use that anymore because there's another book and they're being published by the guys who are distributing our book because they're a bigger publisher and they're using their title and they've said that they will not distribute this book unless they can have that title. So you end up having to change the title. Actually, I wanted to go with this title initially because it sounds nicely noirish. So yeah, you can, the competition edge, it is one of the most competitive forms of publishing out there because there will usually be, I mean, if you look at any of the major trials, there was, there's two on the Scissor Sisters, there's, uh, well, there's, there's two on Lying Eyes, there's most books, you'll get a couple of books on the same subject. And there will always be an advantage to whoever comes out first because they'll get the lion's share of the publicity. This is the other thing that you learn that you don't, you don't even have to deal with as a journalist. Now, okay, as freelancers, we have to sell ourselves to a certain extent, but normally you have to sell yourself to editors and it's sort of you're within the community. As soon as you get into publishing, you have to sell yourself to the public. So you have to... I didn't have a blog until I got a publishing contract. I started on Twitter. I, now, this was back in 2008, so it wasn't as ubiquitous as it, as it is now. But you basically have to sell yourself because the reality of this kind of book, most of the Irish publishers are still very keen to get true crime subjects. The amount of time they will actually spend selling them because they're seen as disposable is minimal. So you have to sell yourself. And that's a very steep learning curve when you've, when you've spent six weeks in your pyjamas under the stairs. Um, suddenly it's like, oh, right, okay, I, I have to go into the marketing as well. You know, it's exciting having a book launch. It's exciting going on the, the standard slots that sort of that authors authors do there's sort of well Pat Kenny when he was on RTE Jerry Ryan would have been another one there is the various book slots um, if you're lucky you will get on at least one of those but again you have this sweet spot to sell your book and once the manuscript is submitted that's all it becomes about you're selling it because if you don't get the readers then you don't get, well, you don't get any more money because you will get, it's best to think of the money you get for true crime as a flat fee. It's called an advance. Chances are you will never earn it out. You will not earn royalties. The figures aren't big enough. The sales aren't big enough. All, I, I think pretty much all the major publishers except for sort of the obvious ones that are sort of far more highfalutin and literary will have a true crime stable they're all looking for them I know Poolbeg have I know Gillam Macmillan uh, Maverick House although who published Devil 
Um, they used to be one of the big ones, but they now focus more on the Far East because they have an office in Thailand, I think. And it's, I mean, most of the, most of the stations, if you're, if you're covering a story like this, it's not unusual to actually, people will approach you and say, do you want to write the book? Or, you know, when are you writing the book? And the reality of it is that this is an extended piece of journalism. You can't really think of a book as tomorrow's chip paper, but it's not that much more than that because it's, it, it's published in response to a passing demand. Um, the figures at the time of the Joe O'Reilly case, they could have expected maybe 11,000 sales in the life of a book. That's plummeted now, um, probably because there's a lot more books coming out. In terms of getting a publisher interested, again, as with everything that you've heard today, it's being able to offer something that nobody else has. I had the American side of the case. I had the court documents from over there, which nobody else had. Frequently what people will ask for nowadays is access to the families. That usually is the really hard thing to pull off. They will all say, sort of, have you spoken to the accused? Have you spoken to the families of the victim? While people might be willing to talk to a journalist for a short period, a book is... Books stay around, so sometimes it can be a lot more difficult to get people to cooperate. There's also the fact, with true crime, it used to be the case that whoever was writing the book would get the book of evidence, which is every statement that goes into the prosecution case. Now, that's fantastic, because if you have the book of evidence, that means you have all the, all the witnesses who weren't called. So you will automatically have all the juicy bits that, that didn't actually... that have never been reported, that have never been there. But they won't let you have the book of evidence anymore. Yeah, they're really mean. It's they've they've clamped down, and they. It's much more difficult to get cooperation <coughs> from uh, the authorities. The guards are. You need to if you want to publish a book on a story like this, start making friends with people really early on during the trial, because it's the people whose mobile numbers you have. It's the people that you've you know, bought a pint for or uh, gone for coffee with, those are the people who will help you. The standard routes, especially in the guards, the guards have got, they, they don't like the press, probably because we keep writing nasty things about them. But uh, they, they've got very uncooperative over the last few years. The other thing that happens, that's happened with Devil, and I know it sounds like I'm being incredibly negative, I'm not. It's, I, I'm just trying to give a realistic notion of this form of publishing because it is it's a very 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 good form of publishing to go into if you're a freelance journalist because it's a way of of sort of attaching yourself to a story if you don't have a newsroom if you you know if you don't have the weight of a paper or a broadcaster behind you if you've written the book on the subject then you have automatic authority that's why so many people want to want to do it with um, a lot of subjects. Now, what also happens, once the book is out, you will, okay, every now and then you will get calls. With Devil, 
it was exciting the first time it happened, but it's got less so over the years, that you get calls from sort of movie companies occasionally because true life stories are all the rage. All the, the studios who are not occupied with rehashing stories that were made, films that were made years ago, they're all looking for the latest true life story. The problem is when you get... a co- and. Don't get me wrong, movie contracts are beautiful things. They have this section at the bottom where they tell you how much money you're going to make when this goes into production with a major Hollywood studio. They're lovely figures. The chances of that actually happening are minimal. We were talking about this over lunch. It's sort of... Um, people will say nice, nice thing. I mean, on the, on the foot of this book, you get calls from all over the world if the story has an international dimension every time someone is is covering the story they will find your book and they will approach you and want to do things but the thing you learn very very quickly is that while people will come to you and say yes this would be a really good idea we'll fly over to England and or to Ireland and put you up in a in a hotel and you know you can be on NBC or sometimes it happens sometimes it 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 doesn't and a lot of people will say a lot of very fanciful thing. Film people are lovely people, but they are mad. <laughs> Completely and utterly mad. <laughs> By a long shot. <sighs> I mean, th- this has been, over the years, names that have been attached to it. That Uma Thurman at one stage. George Clooney. <laughs> I wanted a set visit for that one. Uh, <laughs> It's, you know, and you get all these names attached to it, but that's all it is. It's just talk. The best thing to think about with this kind of publishing is, will it help your career? Yes, undoubtedly. Will it be your, open the doors to international stardom? No, not at all. The best you can hope for, if something happens in the future, is that there will be a card at the front, in the credits of a movie, that will have the name of your book and your name. Actually, that's not bad. But, um, but I mean, that's, that's sort of the highest you can hope for, but it's not... The chances of that happening are fairly slim. As I say, in terms of the pitching, you need a chapter plan, you need a firm pitch. An elevator pitch is always a, a good plan, which is, in a sentence, what makes this story fantastic. With this, Canterclare Housewife tries to buy a hitman over the internet. It was an easy one. With non-fiction books, especially this kind of non-fiction book, but it's sort of it's the same pretty much across the board, you get the commission at the start of the process. It's not like a novel where you, get, you have to have a finished manuscript before approaching a publisher. With this, when you have a firm idea, um, usually a first draft of a first chapter and an idea of a chapter plan, then you're ready to go. With true crime, the time is of the essence. So it's the fastest person to move, to get off the blocks, is the person who will end up with the book. It's best to think of it as journalism, um, because that's precisely what it is. And I think that's that's probably about it. I mean, there's a couple of... I didn't talk at all about the second book, which was about the Eamon Lillis case out in Hoth. Um, That was slightly different because with Devil, it was all fun and and giggles because nobody died. 
okay, several lives were, let, were ruined, but I mean, in terms of central criminal court cases, it was, a, it was a knockabout comedy, really. And obviously with the Lillis case, it was far more serious. Someone had died in tragic circumstances, and that's something that you have to be aware of. Because even if the family don't want to talk to you, you still have to be very aware that what you're writing is, especially it's different in other countries where they're bigger. Ireland is the kind of place where we don't like to speak ill of the dead. We are respectful of people's feelings and that very much affects how you write about it. It might not be a consideration when you're covering a case in the short term, but when you're working on a book, it has to be. And yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a bit of a tightrope act, but again, it's... If someone's got to tell the story, then I'd much rather it was me and I was getting paid for it. So. Uh, thank you very much. Have a good day.